0: It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now,
1: your host, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and I am joined today by Mile High Huddle's Nick Kendall. Thank you so much for coming back, Nick. Um, If you guys don't already follow Nick on Twitter, first of all, I don't know why you don't, but if you don't, you can find him at Nick Kendall, K-E-N-D-E-L-L-M-H-H on Twitter. Um, go do that first, and then come back here, and we're going to talk about some Broncos. All Is right, you guys, you guys back now? Okay, cool. So, yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining me, man.
2: Hey, no problem. It's always fun to talk football. Obviously, the off season can be as fun as any or frustrating as anybody wants to make it but uh, I kind of like the the nitty gritty theoretical stuff that we're going to get into today. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and I kind of I'm at a point where and, and I think this is starting to show on Twitter a little bit I am tired of the hyperbole with OTAs. I am I'm glad that we have OTAs because once they're over, it's kind of like the long drawn out wait until training camp, which mm-hmm. leads to all sorts of stupid stuff but it's like every day, like whoever is getting the quotes the next day, he's the best player ever. Um, I think the last, as we record this today was Deontay Spencer. Um, I, I honestly feel like I am like a Deontay Spencer hater without meaning to be, but I just, I really don't necessarily like returners who don't do a lot on offense or defense. And since he's joined the Broncos and again, he's an explosive returner. So I like that, but he doesn't, do he? You don't want him to be on offense, ideally.
2: Yeah, I mean, we saw the offense with him. I think it was like that Brandon Allen game a few years ago, where they used him a good bit and kind of got some hope for the Broncos getting somebody with some uh some more speed in that offense. Because there's there's obviously the Broncos need speed. Speed is uh, something that a lot of teams want. They want to create explosive pass plays. They want to. Uh, Make defenses have to respect the deep pass game. You know, get guys out of the box or dictate coverages. But uh, yeah, he's if the if the Broncos roster him again this year, it probably means that something didn't go right with either a Tyree Cleveland as a a kick returner or KJ Hamler as a punt returner. Just because there's there's too much talent in the wide receiver room from my perspective to uh, just hold on to a singular specialist kind of player.
1: Agreed, and I think the receiving room is too. There's too many mouths to feed to put Deontay Spencer on offense and have to dial up plays because, and and this was a concern of mine. And again, we'll kind of get into this, I think, but this was a concern of mine with KJ Hamler last year, which isn't to say I dislike KJ Hamler, but my fear was he was a player that early on in his career, you're going to have to like dial up specific plays for him, like handoffs, very easy passes, stuff like that. Well, I know for a fact, that's what you need to do with Deontay Spencer because he doesn't have the catch radius or really like the ball skills to win downfield on contested catches. So if he's not wide open, you're not really going to be able to get the ball to him. And he's so small that he's not going to be getting wide open very often, unless somebody just forgets to cover.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you also need a quarterback who has a pinpoint accuracy to really take advantage of a guy like that, which, uh, you know, has been a uh, hit or miss for the Broncos. There's some great throws out there, but, uh, You know there's a difference between like general accuracy thrower and guys who are putting it you know on the bullseye multiple times
1: agreed i've been uh splitting tape studies between uh aaron Rodgers and teddy bridgewater lately and even and teddy bridgewater is pretty accurate but the difference between teddy bridgewater and aaron Rodgers in terms of accuracy is night and day like it's it's quite it's it's stark uh but i guess kind of like with that since i don't want to just beat up on deontay spencer too much uh where are we kind of at? Like, where do you feel like things are kind of at with Locke versus Bridgewater? Because I think you and I both get kind of like lumped into this hater on Locke, uh, on Locke thing. And again, some of it I think is fair just because you and I are both very realistic about it. Um, and a lot of people can't handle that. So they think of it as hating. And again, like, I, I, I'm going to clear the air. I know I don't hate any player on the Broncos. I do hate that Drew Locke looked really bad last year. The one thing I, if I hate anything about Locke, I hate the way that the discussion about him has become a culture war. And, and mm-hmm. in a way that to me is really frustrating because we can't actually have good faith conversations, which is again, one of the reasons why I wanted to be able to talk to you about it because you and I, neither one of us get too high or too low on OTAs or training camps, stuff like that. It's practice. You want your quarterbacks trying things out in practice. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when the Broncos traded for Bridgewater, I kind of thought, Uh, I want to say it was like two weeks ago now, as you guys are listening to this, but Fangio said basically it was going to be 11 on elevens before they even start to judge players and odds are it was going to go into the preseason unless somebody just ran away with it. And they hoped somebody would run away with it. I got to say, I don't think Locke is going to run away with it. If any of either of the two run away with it, I do think it would be Bridgewater. I don't know if necessarily we're here yet. I'm not watching the practices. But I know the reports out of Monday's camp, and again, like by the time you guys listen to this, it'll be Friday, was Locke was really struggling. So much so that the Broncos flagship station was talking about it. Mike Cliss has mentioned stuff about it. Uh, Paul Klee has mentioned stuff about it. So I, I think the, the general narrative coming out of OTAs right now is that Locke has been struggling. Uh,
2: yeah I've, i think that's the general narrative as well um obviously there's all this good talk about you know second year in the system a year removed from the uh, pandemic that's going on uh working with peyton manning et cetera, et cetera. but all that's you know good talking points but the field and the tape is going to really determine uh where he's at right now and it's still early in the process right like it's i was saying it on the show tuesday night with uh, carl dummler um that uh you know right now we have probably Two to five percent of the data uploading for is what's going to determine this quarterback battle so yeah i'm not going to get you know head over heels about anything that's happened so far but the reports are lock has been struggling um i've talked with a few people uh connected to the organization uh, that have said there's some, you know, pass catchers who are saying, yeah, that t- Teddy's the guy right now. Um, some coaching staff as well saying, yeah, the, right now that's a little frustrated with lock. So take that as you will, you know, something like, oh man, you don't talk to anybody. It's, but well, <laughs> it is what it is. I'm not gonna say any names, but, um, uh, it's, that's where it is right now, but we still have a long way to go. And, uh, personally, I, I try to take off my hopes and dreams and, uh, the fan hat when it that's comes cool. to analyzing this team, because I, I'm a scientist at heart. So I want to remove as much bias as I possibly can and give the, uh, the best interpretation possible. But the fan in me is pulling for lock because that's best long. If lock does win this job um, and due to his merit, that's best for this team long-term. But uh, it does sound like right now, Bridgewater at least is uh, got the better start out of the gate, but long race to go just yet, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it.
1: Well, and I think, And again, this is kind of the, cause I agree with you. I think from a long-term perspective that the Broncos are gonna have like an answer quarterback going into 2022 Locke needs to kind of end up making a jump and being able to beat Bridgewater out. And I talked about this on last week's episode that based on what I've seen of Bridgewater, based on the numbers, everything I've kind of looked at with Bridgewater, he's probably hovering around league average in terms of quarterback, probably about 16th to 18th, probably in like the pecking order. If you were to rank players, uh, And so like best case scenario, if all the players around him kind of like make the jump that we're kind of hoping for, I could see him being a fringe top 10 player as kind of like a distributor type. He'll Mm -hmm. hit, he'll still definitely have clear limitations. And the hope has to be that lock and kind of put together the things that were kind of he was behind on last year enough that his strengths kind of make him a better option than Bridgewater. And hopefully that happens. The good news is after OTAs, there's going to be like a dead period where he can kind of see where he's at, hopefully continue to put in the work and maybe show up in camp and be ready to, to really compete for this job. That said, the realist in me, and again, I, I this is the part of me that gets me in a lot of trouble with a lot of people. The realist in me also knows the data suggests that's probably not going to happen. We're probably going to see an improvement from Locke, but not so much that he's gonna go from being the worst quarter starting quarterback in football to better than league average like that seems like quite a leap again there are reasons to believe it could happen but i'm not i'm not pining for it i'm not like i'm not clinging to this thinking it's definitely gonna happen
2: yeah i mean there's there's a lot of valid excuses surrounding surrounding drew locks play last year and the worst quarterback in the nfl uh last season uh, there's an argument for it carson Wentz, sam darnold drew lock as far as the guy with enough guys with enough sample size to yeah. qualify there uh, put those guys in a bucket if you picked one as the worst starting quarterback last year i wouldn't fight you um but i mean there there are definitely reasons and uh, hope for lock to turn it around as far as like the tools he has um, a lot of the reasons that he struggled last year, um one of the youngest offenses in the NFL, second year in the system, um, a system that seemed to evolve to better mesh with his skill set last year as well. you know, more under center, more twelve personnel, more play action, more uh, first read being the guy where the ball needs to go to, simplifying the offense in that regard. Um, so that's that's important factors we need to put in uh, put into play here. But, yeah, I mean, you that's just me playing devil's advocate and uh, standing up for the guy a little bit. Um, Cause I don't, we don't need to just have a pile on show at least. <laughs> Cause I, I have a tendency to do that. So sometimes I try to throw out, you know, say something nice about the guy too, um, just to be that guy. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, no, it's a tough situation. And to, hopefully the Broncos will have average quarterback play this year. Either way, um, being optimistic about it. And with good defense and we've seen it pro football focus, preseason rank era uh, off season rankings. You know, okay. What does that mean? Exactly. Number one rank secondary top five at linebacking core Von Miller back, Bradley Chubb. I'm super stoked about the trio of Noah Fant, uh, sure. Jerry Judy, and Cortland Sutton. I mean, that's that's as exciting of a trio as I can remember since, uh, gosh, maybe Decker, uh, DT, and Julius Thomas prime years. Like, that's, that should be really good. And they have depth there as well. Offensive line sh- is should be average. It comes down to that quarterback play, and it's just – have a hard time, like, getting off of that too. You know, it's like, how do you not have any conversations about anything without all roads leading back to the quarterback?
1: Well, I agree. And it, honestly, because of the toxicity tied around Locke, uh And again, like I, I should probably just grin and bear it and do my job. But it's one of the reasons why I've been so reluctant to do film studies on the receiving core. Just because you basically have to look at last year's tape. And it's impossible for me to watch and I, I have tons and tons of notes from last year. It's impossible for me to go back and watch Jerry Judy without commenting on the fact that he was left high and dry. A lot. And again, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying Jerry Judy is perfect. I know that like Twitter Twitter is like the death of nuance. And I and I kinda kept going with the whole like why are people worried about Jerry Judy thing? Because I never was last year. Yes, he has he has issues to work on. Um route running needs to kind of sharpen up in terms of his timing. Yes, his hands need to improve, but again, like Colton Sutton caught fifty percent of his passes as a rookie. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. especially worried about Jerry Judy's hands, especially when a lot of the passes were not in a position like he, they weren't put in a place where he was able to catch it and not get lit up or have to reach back for the ball or have to adjust for the ball. So it's, it's hard for me to like talk about that without also commenting the fact that Locke was abysmal last year. Um, but again, like I don't want to pile on either. So I agree with you there. Um, I do think that you and I are both probably in the camp. I, I want to say that we're both in the camp. We're kind of hoping Aaron Rodgers is coming.
0: Oh, um, God, yes. <laughs> he
1: yep. has skipped mandatory camp. Um, at this point, he's subject to fines, but he's already given up a $500,000 workout bonus, which is crazy to think about in terms of real money. Um, so I don't think, and again, I know there's been a lot of discussion that a lot of people seem to think that this is about money. I don't think it's about money. Maybe I'm just delusional, but reportedly the Packers have already offered him a deal to make him the highest paid quarterback in football, passing $40 million average per year. And it, it obviously he's still holding out. So i don't think it's about the money um but green bay has to trade him do you think there's a chance or are we all just kind of delusional at this point
2: i'm putting it in a bucket because i think the chances of it happening are probably less than 50 um so i'm trying not to get my hopes up just to be crushed and i'm kind of i'm in a mental space where it's like okay lock first bridgewater hoping for the best either way. And we can maximize the talent around this stuff around those guys and uh, get our way into like, you know, nine, 10, maybe 11 wins if the ball breaks the right way. Um, And you you have uh, luck on the injury side of things as well. Um, But it's definitely could happen, right? It's just like there's so many weird factors And I do. It's not just the money, but with the money comes the commitment. Yep. Right, like if if the Packers pay Aaron Rodgers this new deal, that's probably you know sayonara Jordan Love. So it, it is the money, but it's it's the auxiliary factor, the secondary factor that comes with that new uh, deal. That is the long term commitment to him and uh, more power that he'd have in that organization, more plagues ex- as well. So uh, we're, I'm really curious to see how this drags out. I think we still got a a ways to go yet. I wouldn't be shocked at all if it uh, drags into preseason, let alone training camp. And what does that mean for the season? Like, uh, can you ramp up your offense to fit a guy in preseason with how complicated uh, NFL offenses are and the timing and the chemistry? I don't know what that means exactly. Um, does it get pushed into 2022 then? Maybe. But uh, I, th- I feel like this is going to – it's kind of simmered a bit recently, um, and that makes me think that this is going to be drawn out a little bit longer. It's uh, it's turned into a staring contest of sorts.
1: Agreed. And, and again, from the Packers' perspective, I get it because – why would you want to trade Aaron Rodgers unless you absolutely have no other option at the same time? And again, I might be wrong. Like this is literally just me kind of putting pieces together. It's hard for me to believe that if they are, if they know that he's not coming back and maybe they're just going to go into camp and hope that, you know, he blinks. But if they get to this point where they know he's not coming back to me, it seems insane to hold on to him through this season and trade him when he's going to be 38, because his value is only going to be going down in terms of trade value if he's not playing, uh, just because at that point you start to wonder, well, he's getting older.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So it would make sense. The only reason I would think it would make sense to hold on to him would be the hope that the cap number comes down. But if he doesn't play this year, I don't think his contract tolls. So the cap number would be the same. So it's, I don't know. They're
2: damned either way. It's a bad They've They've foobarred the situation. No matter what they do, they're, they're damned. I think they understand that. So they're holding on. The best case for the Packers is, uh, They hold on to Aaron Rodgers. He's their quarterback and uh, he plays like an MVP again this year. And then, you know, three, four years down the line, you can move on from Jordan Love. Um, And I guess maybe they're hoping for that, but uh, I don't know. You know, it's, it's got a ways to go yet. I think, unfortunately, everybody's like, oh, post June, post June 1st. Where's the deal? It's like, ah, this this always felt like it was going to drag out a little bit longer than that. Unfortunately, Um, I would love him in Denver. I think you add him in Denver right now. And this is a team that could win 12 13 games which seems crazy but i mean that's the talent of this team and also you're bringing the mvp quarterback in here um but uh i, I don't know i feel like it also i think it's uh, complicated because reading between the lines here i don't think jordan love has uh looked like a viable starting quarterback and i think they know that they've seen that like oh my god if we play this guy i'm gonna get fired you know i used a first round pick and then to trade the mvp quarterback people are gonna put my head on a spike so uh it's just it's a lot of politics involved there um i think i really think eventually they're just gonna bend and give aaron Rodgers whatever he wants and that'll keep him in green bay um but uh th- th- that has a uh, still some uh, hurdles to get to or to cross before we get there
1: agreed and i do i agree with you too that i think it's gonna get drawn out so uh i think the the sides of the speculative camps that are saying like this is definitely gonna happen or this is definitely not gonna happen at this point Everybody just kind of needs to. And again, I said this last week, but we just need to kind of like chill out and just kind of see what happens. Because like, that's kind of where we're at right now.
2: Um, that's how yeah. I feel about Lock and Bridgewater, too. right? Yeah. Like it's like, OK, 2020, although like people are like, why are you bringing this up today? Like Doug Fur, excuse me, I butchered the hell out of his last name, but an awesome piece today. Just adding context to it about all these different routes and types of things where we have data that we can analyze and further parse um based on you know what happened last year and Locke was bad in a lot of categories it's like oh man you're just piling on here it's like well maybe a little bit but it's adding a totally different perspective and specifics to the conversation and to our uh knowledge base but like you know it's it's gonna play itself out either way like all these people like oh lock just needs a chance well if he loses at Bridgewater this year um even out of the gate like here's your sign right like let's 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 read the room um so uh, we'll see
1: Well, and and kind of just before we pivot to like where where I want to go with our with kind of with your time, um, I don't necessarily think it's piling on just because here's the thing. Like when when we talk about the fact that Drew Locke was one of the worst quarterbacks in football, and you're, you're right, both Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold were every bit as bad as him. But like that piece that Doug Farrar wrote, like what's so great about it is it really kind of illustrates and same with some of the data you've shared. It really illustrates just how bad he was, because I think. I think you hear it enough times and you just kind of become numb to it and just think, Oh yeah, he was bad, but it's so easy for him to get better. It's like, yeah, but it's not just that he was bad. He was abysmal at this, 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 you know, like, you know, on and on.
2: So it's it's not cherry picking because it's like so many different categories of important stats. So it's it's not,
1: it's not like we're just looking for the one reason to pile on. him. it's the fact that he's basically been bad across the board. It's harder to find things that point out what he's good at than things that he's bad at. So that's. That's one of the reasons why I think you and I both come across as so negative on lock, just because we're not shying away from it. When a lot of people have basically started to say, "Yeah, he's bad, but it'll be good now."
2: I've I've pivoted to the point now where I just uh, present data, and I leave that up to interpretation. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you have it, you if you have issues with it, um, I'm sorry, but uh, you have issues with the data itself and the reality of the situation, and not my take because there is no take. Here's the data. Here's, you know, what the data means, um, it's up to you to decide how much you value it or weight it. And, uh, if you want to completely dismiss it because your sample size is one for quarterbacks who have the youngest, youngest offense in the NFL, uh, new year in a new system playing in a pandemic, uh, play, coming off an injury, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, okay, well, there's no other, there's nobody else you can even compare them, compare them to when you parse down the uh, thresholds and the specifics down to that. Um, but, uh i'm just i'm not even i'm leaving up to interpretation here's the reality here's the data you make of it as you will and if that makes me a hater then take it up with the actual reality of the situation or the statistics themselves which okay sometimes yes but not always (laughs) so
1: kind of from there because again like you and i have discussed this on twitter kind of across for better parts of the last year or so and it's brought it's come up before when we've talked about draft stuff too so it's one of the things i really wanted to talk to you about i think discussing kind of like on a macro level like positional value and how like if you were building a team from scratch how important each of the positions are i think it's an important thing to kind of like look at not only because it, it should be able to give listeners kind of a lens through which to see how you and i actually look at the moves that george payton and john elway have made but also like it kind of gives you an idea of where the Broncos in our minds have both made good decisions and perhaps bad decisions because i damn near lost my mind when I first realized that the Broncos were going to pass on Justin Fields just because I, again, like, and I think you and I agree that quarterback is by far the most important position in football and maybe perhaps even in sports. And, and again, I, I can, I can accept that George Payne and I don't see eye to eye on Justin Fields, the prospect, what it's still bothering me is the fact that the Broncos know that they have a questionable quarterback room and they passed on the value that they could have had on the lottery ticket that could have been a franchise passer. And honestly, even two, if they thought Mike Jones was viable. Um, and on top of that, when the Broncos traded up to 35 and they passed on Tevin Jenkins, and again, we can, we can you know talk about Tevin Jenkins as a prospect. Cause I know when I talk to sports info solutions they see him as a guard. So I get that. Like if the Broncos saw him as a guard, that's a whole different thing. But like I saw him as a very, very good right tackle prospect for the Broncos system. And the fact that they passed on him for a running back, it, and I, again, I love both the players the Broncos took. And I've been trying to say that since the draft. And again, on Twitter, it's hard to kind of like separate all this. I like the players the Broncos took, but in terms of the overall process that George Payton made to take these players over the players he didn't take, it's still kind of sticking with me. And I think it's going to be one of those things that I'm just going to have to kind of live with.
0: Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.
2: Yeah, um, there must be something with Justin Fields that didn't jive, right? Like the, there's just such a disconnect between the reality uh, or what I perceive to be the reality of his tape and uh, where he went in the draft, right? Like for my money, he should have been the second overall pick Same. um, for what I saw. And uh, so there. And there was smoke surrounding him, but nobody really wanted to speak on it exactly, but he did slide. So it's all going to come out in the wash again. The reality of the situation is going to play itself out out, and we're going to see who was right and who was wrong. Um, Kind of reminds me of uh, two totally opposite uh, outcomes here, but uh, Josh Rosen slide, right? A lot of people thought he was potentially the best quarterback in that draft. Wow. Wrong. Um, And then there was uh, the the year before that uh, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson falling to 10 and 12. Um, and like, oh man, these are really talented quarterbacks. Why are they falling? What's happening? Well, now they're arguably two of the top four best quarterbacks in the NFL, despite sliding. Um, so it could go either way. Obviously that's totally opposite ends of the spectrum, but we'll see. Um, so I, I think for the quarterback position, there's no doubt that, uh, Justin Fields is a great talent, but to me, just reading between the lines, I think there might've been something there as far as character or work ethic that maybe gave them pause, yeah. uh, that's and that's just me trying to rationalize it right like because i otherwise i don't really get it um maybe the epilepsy and a weird covid offseason stuff like gave them enough concern as well uh but i don't know and then uh, with tevin jenkins i mean there's that the report out there i don't know how uh, much you've heard about this but he got in a fight with a coach um at oklahoma state that might have i did concerned not know me. that yes uh, there was an alter physical altercation with a coach um, at Oklahoma State, there's also the hip injury um, that he had that caused him to slip a little bit. Um, but as a prospect, I loved him. I thought he was a good fit in this uh, gap-centric scheme. Um, guard maybe in a zone scheme, but with how much power the Broncos run, I thought he'd have been fine there. He met the thresholds as far as like size and arm length. Um, but there's some stuff there, and overall, I felt like this was a very it was a very safe draft, and it was a very immediate impact draft. And if you correlate that to the coach's timeline right now. I get it. I feel like this was a draft where George Payton tried to maximize character, get players that he liked that fit what he's looking for while also being players that pretty much as as good of a year one impact as you could hope for. Like Justin Fields, right? Like one year, two year, you probably see flashes this year, but it's more about like 2022, 2023, where uh, Patrick Probably similar conversation, but he was as ready-made day one as any cornerback probably in the last few drafts, um, especially with how intelligent he is, uh, how much how many different roles he can play Ah, uh, with Javante Williams coming in. Uh, smart player. Running backs are the one position where they're probably as good their rookie season as any year they're ever going to be in their career. Um, so uh, that's how I've kind of rationalized and come around, came around to it. Um, I don't mind the Javante Williams pick. I don't love trading up for him. Um, like like that could have been that could have been another linebacker or a, another a tackle there. It could have been a defensive lineman, which they could have used another investment in long term. That's a position that's a sneaky one. Um, long term for the Broncos, given Shelby Harris and uh, Mike Purcell's age, uh, Draymond Jones about to get paid, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, I get it, right? Like, I, I get it. That's that's just me being nitpicky. I, I thought it was overall, there's no absolutely like, what the hell is going on stuff from the Broncos. Like if they'd have taken Najee Harris at nine, I would have had to log off. Yeah. Um. So I get it. And uh it wasn't the worst ever. It's not exactly what I would have done. Like you mentioned, I probably would have gone Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins there in those two situations, but um, we'll see how it plays out. And uh, if the Broncos, let's say Justin Fields does end up being a bust. At least they're not down that pit for two to three seasons when they passed on that guy. Cause when you do make that type of investment, you're in it for a good chunk of time. And that means that you might miss on a few other guys, a few years from now, or situations, whether I mean, that be Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers.
1: We're, we're watching that happen with a second round pick at quarterback right now they're in three they're in year three and they the only investment they've made in quarterbacks since bringing in julek is trading a six-round pick for teddy bridgewater
2: yeah. so so with yeah, a with the just,
1: first overall pick it would have been even more of an investment so i think about i get it with,
2: uh, paxton lynch in 2016 and yeah. then uh not being really in the market for a patrick Mahomes or a deshaun Watson that season it's that yeah. kind of thing now granted 2022 quarterbacks class it's yet to play out not great early on, but uh, things can change, right? We got a lot of football to play guys can take some big steps, um, but um, we'll but, see uh, either way. I feel like the Broncos drafted very good floor players and they're also very good year one players. And I think Peyton likes Vic Fangio. And these are picks that to me made sense. As far as if you're trying to save Vic Fangio's job, these are two picks that make a lot of sense.
1: I'm glad you mentioned Najee Harris. Cause I think that's a good kind of segue into where like our lists. Cause mm-hmm. so when I made my list, I, I kind of tried to look at, Beyond on position themselves and what the actual role of the player is. So some of these positions yeah. are like for for a pass rusher, I don't really care if a pass rusher is an edge player or a defensive lineman because Aaron Donald has, and again, obviously Aaron Donald's Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald as a defensive lineman is such a good pass rusher that he is the number one pass rusher on his team. Um, and that's the guy that I, I ranked instead of just, mm-hmm. I want an edge one. I wanted the pass rush, the, the guy who can dictate protection schemes and take advantage Mm -hmm. and force that. Um, But that said, um, and I don't know what your list looks like necessarily, but I ranked running back last. Um, And again, I'm not trying to say that running backs don't matter. And I think you and I have talked about this before, but like for me, so much of their production, especially in the ground is completely based around everything around them. Um, Yeah. Yeah, you need a guy to be able to run through the hole. And yeah, there is skill involved in that but there there's a glut of players who can do that in the right systems. Um so I think that the things that separate a back in my mind is what he can actually do on passing downs and that is one reason why I do like Javante Williams. But that said, I do have them in the bottom tier, they're tier 5 and they're the only position down that far. Um they're 22nd out of 22.
2: Yeah, no, that's a uh that's a good call. Um I'm looking at your list here. Yours is a little bit more specific than mine is. I try to just go with a more of a general list. Um, and mine, I weight it not only based on, you know, just the value positions themselves or what is value, what goes into my value. Part of it is the scarcity of the position. Um, part of it is like just how much you're going to have to pay, uh, yeah. for that, just an average player at that position in the league. I mean, we saw what Leonard Floyd just got this off season, which was enough to keep Von Miller in Denver another year. Um, so, uh, that's, that's kind of the thing there. And also the, the scarcity of the position, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, we can get into it. I have my list, uh, pulled up here myself. Again, it's more, it's much more, oh, that's it's not good. as specific as yours. Um, I, but, uh,
1: I yeah, did I did not think about contracts or scarcity as much. Uh, I just mm-hmm. tried to think, I almost, I kind of looked at it as like, if I, if the whole league kind of went into like a fantasy draft and all of a sudden I was making my picks, how I would build my build my board. Ideally, if I had, mm-hmm. you know, the first, be able to pick the first players of each, each spot. Um, And again, I assume that you and I both have quarterback as number one.
2: Uh, Yeah, I have quarterback on its own tier, and I thought about leaving tier two and three blank just to prove a point of the separation between the value of a quarterback and everything else.
1: i really kind of thinking about it. I kind of wish I would have just put quarter. I have quarterback in tier one with four other positions. But honestly, like when I I wrote, again, I wrote a post for this. The quarterback is far and away separate from everything else. Um, After that, I did wide receiver one. And I know that I think you and I disagree on this because I value wide receivers quite a bit. I want to Mm -hmm. say, I have an asterisk for this just because for the receiver to be this valuable, he has to be able to both be like a go-to guy, like on third downs, money downs where you have to find him, but also be able to create big plays. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so high in Cartland Sutton is because in 2019, he looked like that guy.
2: Yeah. I just personally, I couldn't have a position that high that a, there is a, um, a lot of good wide receiver talent, right? Like you can go 20 deep and there's a lot of number ones out there right now. Also. I mean, heck, a lot of teams are pretty deep at wide receiver. Even also, it's a completely, not completely, but it's a very dependent position. It is right. Like you could have a, you know, after quarterback, a lot of these positions are, but wide receiver specifically is very dependent on the talent around them. Um, whether that be other receivers out there, the offensive line talent, and obviously the quarterback. So uh, I went back and forth with wide receiver. Um, I, I, I have let me see how many tiers do I have here? Pull it up. I have six tiers. Um, okay. And I debated back and forth here between um wide receiver. I have them tier three. Okay. Uh not not a, and a wide receiver one itself definitely would be tier two. Um, but I lumping in wide receiver two and three as well there. Um there's a lot of them right now. Um, they're still very valued. I mean, you see that in the draft, you see that in free agency, whatnot. Um, but uh, just because they are dependent, and I would not say scarce, even though they are valuable, it knocks them down a little bit for me. So I have wide receiver tier three, actually.
1: Cool. Yeah, no, and that, I think, again, I think that's totally fair. Because uh, I think if if that receiver one is not able to create, if, if he's simply like the go-to guy, and some wide receiver ones in the league are like this, where they're not really a speed guy, they're not really doing much downfield, They're just kind of like the go-to weapon for their quarterback. At that point, I would move him down a tier. Um, I I do have Quentin Sutton. I consider Quentin Sutton a true number one. Um, He's the guy that dictates coverages. Again, like we saw it last year, without him on the field, it changed the entire dynamic for the offense. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that's one of the reasons why I had him in mind when I ranked that. Um, But for me, the next position after wide receiver, I have, uh, and I, I said PB, I said a pass blocking tackle Obviously preferably that's the left tackle for a right-handed quarterback um, but if but if that guy like we saw it with uh, the chiefs with, uh, with Schwartz, their better tackle is definitely was definitely the right tackle, and he still made a huge difference for him. So I do think that that, that player is a tier one type of player.
2: Yeah, just somebody who is such a dominant blocker that you can leave them on an island and slide coverage either direction is uh, really important. Um, I just have, I have tackle, I guess, well, you'll give me yours and then I'll tell you where I have the position in uh, relation. Um, I have tackle just in general as tier two. um, And that is because just the scarcity, not only of the position itself, but the body type. Like there are hundreds of guys who are 6'2", 6'3", 300 pounds with, 32-inch arms, right? Like the interior offensive line, you can find those bodies, but to actually have somebody who not only has the technique and the ability to play tackle while also meeting the thresholds from the body type, that's that's a rare player. It's the reason you see guys like LaRaven Clark go in the third round even though his tape was atrocious, right? It's like he's one of the few people walking this earth that could actually play this position if it clicks. Um, So I have tackle very high. um, Left tackle, right tackle. I don't think that matters as much in today's NFL given the amount of shotgun going on. You, You can see either side. I don't know if there is a true blind side. So, so to speak Mm -hmm. as much, um, with how much shotgun there is. Um, so either side, I'll take it. Um, but I have them pretty high. I'd probably have them as the, if we were not doing tiered positions, I'd probably have them as the fourth most valuable position. Um, just because a great offensive tackle still is, can be negated by how good the rest of the offensive line is. The offensive line's value is I'd rather have, you know, five C level offensive linemen than have one a and then two D's and two F's. Um, so that, I think that brings back their value a little bit. Um, but still, I mean, they're just, they're so hard to find. And even if you can get an average one, that that was a big conversation surrounding bulls two years ago for me. whereas like, listen, he's, I mean, he, he does have some holding penalties, but he's been an average tackle in 2019. The tape looks like an average tackle to me. That's fine. That, That for a 20th overall pick in the first round, if you can get average at how hard that is to find this position, like when you start naming these guys, it's hard to find even serviceable. So, uh, that's, that's kind of been a big conversation for me with bulls.
1: I got to say that you are making my argument for why I did not like the trade up to get a running back when there was so many tackles on the board. And you're reminding me of why I wrote the post blasting George Payton about why he didn't take any tackles. Um, and again, I don't want to rehash that, but like, (laughs) no. And again, I know I am, but just like the overall scarcity and how hard it is to find these players. And again, like we just went through a draft that was considered very, very deep at tackle after a 2020 draft that was also considered very, very good at tackle. And on top of that, again, before we kind of move to the next thing, they also develop slowly, like historically, and you and I have talked about this multiple times with Bowles. and I, and again, I will admit, I thought Bowles was so old as a, as a prospect that he might not fit that, but he did. Mm -hmm. It took him four years, but he kind of put it all together in year four. Well, the fact that the Broncos didn't take a rookie tackle means that if they have to draft one next year, they're in year one for that guy's development. And so I'm yeah. just, I'm a bit grumpy about that. But
2: yeah, comes back to Vic Fangio for me again, right? Like if you're taking a yeah. tackle this year, how much is it actually? I mean, it would have helped at this point, knowing what we know now about uh, Juwan James and everything. Um, but uh, it's a, it's also very much a, a first round or move on position for the most part. Not, not always. That's not always the case, but uh, very much the position is filled with first round picks across the league because the guys who can do it are rare. The body types are rare. The athleticism is rare. The technique is rare. Um, so uh, once the Broncos didn't take one in the first round, like a couple years ago, like or two years ago uh, when they didn't get worfs, God bless you. God damn you. Shelby Harris, but also God bless you. I love you too. I wish we had worfs. I love Judy, but man, worse was my dude. Um, Look pretty smart on that one. In hindsight, that was just Hawkeye bias coming through. Um, but uh, no, that's a, uh, it's a tough position. I understand and I probably would have taken Tevin Jenkins in hindsight, but again, that's one where it's like, who's going to actually make the team that much better when you had Javon, when you had Jawan James on there, maybe you yeah. can make an argument for Javonta Williams just because of the immediate impact. And I get that. Um, it's not always the best decision when making the draft, if you're thinking so um, immediately. And I, I put a meme out there the other day on Twitter where it's very meme oriented. Like people think about the draft is like JG Wentworth, you know, eight, seven, seven cash now when really it's like stonks. You need to be thinking about the long term investment of those guys and year three, year four, getting the dividends and everything off of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to hash too much. Tackle is very much pro- yeah. outside of quarterback. Tackle's like got to be either one A or one B for the Broncos oh, needs going into next year's draft. Um, but that's you know you look into that and that's that's how you want to be drafting uh, those positions of value in the, uh, year after year in the first round. So not only better chance to get them a harder find a position, um, but also getting expensive positions on rookie contracts.
1: So the other, the next two positions in my top tier, uh, and I've gone back and forth a couple times, even today on them. Uh, so I have DPR, which is either an edge rusher or defense, you know, it's a pass rusher or a cornerback one. Um, preferably the cornerback one has inside outside flexibility, just because when I think about this cornerback, if I, and again, if I'm prioritizing him like this, he has to be able to match up on most wide receiver ones, but honestly, the way I would want to probably use him, or I guess, you know, if my coaching staff would be down with this is something that coach Vass of make defense great. Again, has mentioned something the Broncos used to do with Champ Bailey is you put him on the number two receiver, just leave him alone, roll the coverage away from him. And essentially that guy can just be erased because most teams, number two wide receiver is not going to be able to get open on this guy. Like that's ideally what you're getting. 'Cause then what you can do is you can devote the vast majority of the rest of your coverage away from him and over over like outnumber them and win that way.
2: I mean, yeah, they're it's the chicken or the egg when it comes to pass rush first cornerback, right? But uh yeah. I I tend to lean into the pass rusher just because they are more stable year to year yep. and they tend to have uh longer years of dominance where a cornerback, you know, they have a blip and then they can kind of regress to the mean. And it's not that they're not valuable then. Um, but they just, they don't have like the Daryl Revis season where he was incredible and then kind of just, you know, really good after that still, but, uh, not that year where he was Revis Island. Um, so I lean into the pass rush. I did put edge over, um, I did separate edge from a defensive tackle here and I have edge higher just because edges get paid more. Um, and the Aaron Donald's of the world, they're just, it's so, It's so so rare that it's like talking about like six round quarterbacks when it comes to Tom Brady, right? It's like, okay, well you almost need to put him in his own box because he's so different than anybody else. And if you can get yourself a Chris Jones, a Fletcher Cox, uh Jeffrey Simmons, you know, somebody like that, who is you know, a difference maker. Of the interior defensive line as a pass rusher. That's great. Um, I still would rather get a miles Garrett or a Nick Bosa or a chase young. Um, just because they are more likely to the, pass rush. uh, It's like kind of like the difference between a really good tight end and a wide receiver. Even then it's just the volume of splash plays that they're making, et cetera. The, the pressures, whatnot tends to lean to the edge, even if you have a good, uh, interior pass rusher. Um, so I have edge higher. Um, but there are guys who can break the mold that, uh, you know, you, you rate them higher than edges just because they are that talented.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, again, uh,
2: edge, edge tier two and a defensive tackle tier three.
1: Uh, so, and again, because you lump tackles together, I some of these positions are going to be redundant on my side of it. Yeah. So I have OT two is my tier. He's my six overall. Um, for me, this guy is. I again, I like the idea of having two tackles. I think, like you said, you can build out the interior offensive line pretty easily. Not easily, but more easily than the tackle positions. Both these guys. Whenever you're sending five out in routes, you're, these guys are going to be isolated. And you need yep. the that you need them to be able to hold their own because on passing downs, that has to happen a lot. Um, and so again, this is, so that guy is very valuable. And then for me, CB two is right up there too, just because I, I like the idea of if you're going to have that corner, erase a wide receiver, two, you then need a corner, another cornerback who can hold his own against most wide receiver ones with some help. Um, and I think that guy's valuable. And then after that, I have DPR number two and again ideally if your first one is a defensive tackle, this guy's an edge or vice versa, because I do like the idea of you're creating conflict both outside on the edge or on the perimeter for a tackle, but also if they devote too much help to that tackle, then there's a guy who can beat them up inside or, vi- you know, obviously vice versa.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, ideally for me, two outside guys and one inside guy giddy up, let's get after it. Um, that's the most fun when uh, when you can have that kind of thing going on. That's the big reason I was pining for a, uh, Jeffrey Simmons at Oliver or whatever in that 2019 draft with, uh, Chubb and Vaughn because man, I don't even know what you do then. Um, and those three guys are going to stay on the field pretty much no matter what. Also, it's not like the defensive tackles that are being taken off the field these days. Um, but, uh, just coming back here real quick, a cornerback, I also have as a uh, my tier two. So edge offensive tackle and cornerback. I mean, they're outside of quarterback. They're the highest paid positions. They're ones that, um, they're probably not as dependent on others. Um, doing their job as much. I mean, obviously edge and ta- edge and uh, cornerback, there's a symbiotic relationship there between them, but like they can still go out there and do their job and do everything right. They're not as dependent on the quarterback or a blocking scheme or et cetera to execute their job. Um, So I have those guys high and they're also positions where, especially cornerback and edge, like it's not only how valuable they are on the field, it's how valuable depth is at those positions as well. Yep. Like you need got bodies on bodies there. Like, uh, I wouldn't have, the Broncos this past year, you know, they had Von Miller coming back. They had Bradley Chubb, who was just a pro bowler for the first time. Malik Reed had a good statistical season. Um, and they were like, oh, 20th overall. Let's see if we can go up and get Jalen Phillips because we want to keep attacking that edge rusher position because long-term it's a need. And, uh, the depth is, that's one of those positions where you're going to be rolling through guys. You're going to need bodies. Um, so, uh, that's, those are positions where it's not just the starters that make them valuable. It's getting the depth in there as well. Mm -hmm.
1: And so I think these next two, you and I are pretty far apart on just be well, wide receiver, we've already talked about a little bit, but I have free safety in my tier two it's ninth overall. And I know that again, I know that that's kind of atypical, both the pay scale from the NFL and also like just overall, a lot of the numbers don't necessarily suggest this, but I think of the secondary as like you just said, kind of like a floor position where you're kind of, you're only as good as your weakest link. And I mm-hmm. think having, especially most coverages in the NFL zone coverages. And obviously, if you're running cover one, you're going to end up having a safety playing the deep middle. And having a guy who can actually patrol that and with the range to really make plays in that deep middle, I think is really valuable. And ideally, that guy also is a reliable tackler. And that's one of the reasons why again, I had at no point have I had problems with the idea of paying Justin Simmons just because once he really broke through with Fangio, it was clear to me that he was this guy. Uh, and again, I, and I know this is might be a little bit too soon because it's only been a couple of years, but if he can maintain his level of play, like I see Justin Simmons, he's on a, the early part of a hall of fame track. Um, and so I think this player is immensely valuable. If you have him granted, I do think the players of this caliber, like at Justin Simmons level are quite rare. So if I didn't have a guy who could actually do what he does, I wouldn't put this player this high.
2: Yeah, for me, it's influenced by the best players in the league where they end up being drafted um, what the top players get paid yeah. and also it's a position where i mean we saw it for years no no offense to to him but like mike adams was there for the broncos and like he wasn't like you know, a great player a great safety or anything but he was fine like i think you can find it's kind of like the same thing with like defensive tackles like of course i'd rather have an aaron donald but i think you can find serviceable guys at defensive tackle i think also you can find serviceable safeties out there that aren't going to kill you so to yeah. speak now would i rather have a derwin james God bless. You, you know it. I would love a Derwin James, um, but uh, I don't think that those guys are mostly uh, pretty rare, and uh, I don't think they are the norm. Some guys you know, break out of the positional value sometimes, and it's harder to do the further down you get the uh, the tier values, like uh, taking Quentin Nelson top five. If he's not a Hall of Fame player, I don't know if the pick was worth it. Uh, Saquon Barkley at two. Probably the same exact thing for me. Um, if he's not a Hall of Fame player, he's probably not worth it. Um, so... Uh, it's that kind of thing where you have to paint those perspectives there. And if you think he can be, and you take that shot and you're right, God bless you. I don't think maybe you weren't wrong then. Um, but uh, you're adding a lot of risk um, to that because there is no such thing as a certain uh, draft pick. And even though in hindsight, it seems really easy to say, you know, Quentin Olson, oh, who's always going to be this great player. It's
1: like Zeke. Uh, it's like taking Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott is having about as good as a running back up until last year, has had as about as good as you could expect from a running back in like the modern era.
0: To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.
2: Yeah. I mean Jalen Ramsey right there, but uh, yeah, you know, whatever. Handsight. Um, but yeah, no, uh the other position here. So you mentioned safety. I have safety as a tier four. I have safety and linebacker, pretty interchangeable. Um I do think the safety is, is higher value but there will be some schemes that'll value the linebacker more than yeah. the safety and there'll be some schemes that'll value the safety more than the linebacker and I also view them similarly in a sense that um to get a guy who has a lot can wear a lot of different hats and do a lot of different things is rare and those guys will be valued more but I think there is a lot of serviceable players out there that can do a number of those things um if I'm putting them you know in a ordinal uh, rather than categorical listing Um, safety would be higher than linebacker, especially with the way the league is trending. Um, But I I think just from a draft perspective and building a team perspective, if you can get a difference maker there, by all means, right? It's good to have difference makers. Uh, You need those guys that independent of position. Um, But uh, I would think just team building wise, I put them on the same tier, which is a tier four for me. So uh, right now, just run down for me again, since people don't have in front of them, quarterback tier one, And then tier two and three, if you also want to really put out there just the vast uh, difference in value there. Uh, but then tier two edge rusher, cornerback and offensive tackle tier three, then would be wide receiver and interior defensive line. And then tier four, uh, tell me defense doesn't matter, but I still got uh, all the defensive positions already here, tier four linebacker and safety.
1: Well, and that kind of talk, that kind of speaks to the fact that I think defense offense, you can get away with having some issues at certain spots. Easier than you can on defense, I think, yep. uh, and this goes back to a conversation I had at one point with Dan Hatman, where he basically brought up: at this point in the NFL, if you have a hole on your defense, the opposing offense is going to find it, and they're they going to take advantage where of the ball
2: it. Yeah, exactly. quarterbacks dictate where the football goes. I mean, we saw it years with Peyton Manning, we saw it years with Tom Brady. If you have one single weakness, guess what? They're going to isolate it, and they're going to keep going back to that bucket until. The game's over or you figure out some way to stop it. And by that point, if you adjust they you'll have another weakness out there. So,
1: yeah, uh, and so kind of kind of getting I, I, again, I don't want to get too bogged down in it. But my tier three starts to have like the what I call the kind of the complimentary positions. At this point, these players are really helping the pl- the players higher up on the tier list. Um, First of all, other than the interior offensive line, this is where you're starting to build out the interior. Um, Ideally, one of the two I have. IOL one and IOL two in this list for me, one of these guys ideally is a center because I do think a center is more valuable than your second guard. Most of the time, just because ideally that center is able to call the protections adjust to different things, pre-snap and helps out everybody. Um, I know Nate Tice has mentioned this of the athletic that, and again, I, I defer to him on this, that no player really makes a bigger difference for how you handle stunts, games, blitzes, stuff like that than a center other than a quarterback. Those are kind of two of the brain hubs of your offense.
2: Yep. And that was a issue with the Broncos last year with uh nice. cushion, and lock um, from both of them, but that they had to kind of adjust what they were doing there from the um, intellectual processing uh, pre-snap breed types of things. So uh, hopefully that'll be improved this year. But that's another reason why I'm somewhat uh, skeptical on uh, Quinn miners out of the gate, right? Not, not only like I'm excited about the pick, um, him coming in there, he brings a lot uh, of what you're hoping for there and a little bit more of a drive blocker, but, uh, the fact that he didn't even play center before going division three and now you're putting all this, um, uh, the intellectual demands of the position as well. Not that he is, you know, dumb. I'm not saying that at all, but, uh, it's just, it's such a, it's such a leap in so many ways for him that I'm just like, okay, Quinn miners, if the season's kind of gotten away and cushion is still struggling, they might toss him out there to see what's going on, but I do not expect it, uh, week one. And if it is, Hats off to him, or shame on Cushionberry because that's uh, that's not a position that uh, I think they want to be in.
1: Yeah, I I, I want to kind of see what the preseason looks like before I kind of land on that. Just because I do think all the points you raise are very fair and very good ones, and those are all things I, I can talk myself into thinking Cushionberry is going to be the starter. For me, the big things that just kind of I keep coming back to is the fact that they spent the pick on Miners after having spent a similar pick on Cushionberry, and then just like the overall scheme fit. Um, but again I, I do think that there's definitely reason to believe that Cushionberry has the leg up because of the complexity of Shermer's offense and how much protection is gonna balling on the line probably especially with quarterbacks like rotating in out with bridgewater and lock in a competition.
2: yeah
1: um so it's it's one of the more interesting position battles in my mind other than right tackle and obviously quarterback. um the other the other two on the list I wanted to touch on in tier three, um, and I'm I'm glad you brought this up with safety when we were talking about before, is how uh you can really break down safety beyond like strong safety or free safety. And I think in a lot of ways by kind of labeling them those two things, we really kind of like take away from how complex their role really is. And especially in the Fangio defense, um maybe not especially, but in a lot of like cover three centric defenses or single high centric defenses, like the Seattle style defenses. Those two those two roles really are defined and you really do see a difference because you can picture a free safety he's Earl thomas he's he's back in the deep third and then you have cam chancellor he's up near the line of scrimmage he's essentially like another linebacker except he's also going to drop into coverage more often but in the Fangio defense the strong safety he's on the strong side of the formation but a lot of times what ends up happening is he's doing the same stuff he's still playing deep half he's still playing a lot of quarters coverage he still has man responsibilities when they go into into man coverage he just maybe is not quite the same coverage player. And that's again, like I'm not to take away from cream Jackson, but cream Jackson isn't quite the same. He's not quite as good as Justin Simmons in coverage, but he's still dang good. And he's still asked to do all the things.
2: Yeah. For this game. I think a lot of people, especially Broncos fans, and you know, it's not really a fault of theirs. They're not, they're not like us that we're just absolutely psychopaths about analyzing the team and whatnot, but they kind of have a, um, the Wade Phillips defense, you know, free safety, strong, safety. You need to have that box guy who's the headhunter in the deep, the deep. Well, cover one canopy kind of guy. It's like, well, that's not really what they're doing these days, but, uh, all right, let's, uh, let's hear about, uh, Jeremiah was for the hundredth time. Um, but, uh, it is interesting. I think I don't have them dichotomized and this is part of the thing with uh, safeties as well and linebackers where it's going to come down to your scheme. Where, like, gets, how much are you going to really value does. these kind of guys um, and the uh, specific skills, especially with safeties. Oh, my God. Like, they wear so many different hats and ask to so do so many different things and different skills. I mean, I'm glad that we finally separated, like, defensive ends from uh, uh, outside linebackers into edge, like that kind of thing. But uh, I think the next evolution will hopefully be maybe something with safeties. Also, maybe more specifics with uh, wide receivers as well, just how specialized a lot of these rules are, especially with probably the expansion of rosters coming down the track here. Um, but, uh, those are things to talk about and it's just, it's really hard to do unless you're actually boots on the ground with a specific team and, uh, saying like, what, what are we valuing here specifically, uh, for this game? Like, are we the Seahawks where we do like safeties, but also we're going to be trying to play in base, like constantly with three li- linebackers out there, in which case we're going to really value the linebacker position, or are we going to be a team like, uh, gosh, maybe even the Broncos who are not really valuing the linebacker as much because the tight ends are killing linebackers in this division. And uh, we're going to be looking to implement more, uh more defensive backs in there this season as a counteract to it. And, uh, you know, just bait teams into running the football.
1: And that's actually, that's a good, so I have linebacker one in the tier four. So that's my bottom tier before you get into the running back tier. Um, And that's kind of why it's just, realistically with the way RPOs work now, like 95% of linebackers in the NFL suck against RPOs. Um, and I just think by design, they're just put in so much conflict that they're just, it's just always going to be a thing. Um, so rather than chasing it, the the unicorn in hopes that you're going to have the one guy who can handle it. I think it's just better to kind of build out the rest of your roster and do what you can against it.
2: Yeah, I don't think you're wrong there. Um, I think both of those positions, like I said, I have safety higher, but uh, I think you can find both those positions day two um, in free agency every single year. Um, They're not as when you have a true weakness out there. They're not as coverable as like an average or below average, like tight end or interior offensive lineman, Mm -hmm. which I have as my tier five. Um, And granted, if you have a dominant player there, they can really rise up. There are some guys who uh, go beyond the position. They're like, Darren Waller, like, oh, he's a tight end. But like, is he a tight end? You know, yeah. he, fun- he functions as a pass catching weapon. Um, so that kind of thing, but uh, just in a general bucket with the position and also how those guys are paid, um, you can get by with just okay bodies there. I mean, who's the Broncos tight end to right now, right? Like that's, it's like that that kind of conversation there from there. But uh, let me see for safety though. I just have a hard time putting them up there with interior defensive line or wide receiver um, just because of how valuable those positions are and the fact that some of those interior defensive linemen are like, Alpha pass rushers as well, and I would not put a safety up there with them. So that's what knocks them a bit. But at some point, you know, you have to kind of group them together. And I didn't want any positions uh, by themselves interiors besides quarterback and uh, running back just to kind of prove a point. But um, it's I don't know it really does come down to the specific scheme you're running and and what your team is looking to do.
1: Well, and kind of that that kind of touches on. So. I have my last defensive line slash edge because after the two designated pass rushers at the top, I think if you're building out a 4 2 because I think basically in today's NFL, most teams are building out a four two five, or, and I think the league might start to move towards this sum, uh, almost like a 4 one four one six where you're building dime. Um, but you're still going to have four players on the line, two edge rushers, two defensive linemen. But I think after you have those two players that are really, really like kind of dictating protection schemes and taking advantage of that, I think the other two have to be able to complement it. So I would say like the number three front player, I think is a tier three player, just because he needs to be a capable pass rusher, but his most important thing is that he's able to take advantage of what the DPRs do. And I think the last one, I have him in tier four because he really, ideally, this is probably your defensive tackle. Like if you can get two edge rushers and a defensive lineman who's a really good pass rusher. So this, this last guy, he has to be a serviceable pass rusher, capable run defender. But I mean, he's probably easier to find. First of all, and again, you and I've talked about this before. Run defense is cheap in the NFL at this point. Like it's easy to find those guys. Like Mike, Mike Purcell was in the AAF before the Broncos signed him. Um, and granted, I don't think Mike Purcell is a guy you want playing nickel snaps really. Uh, I think if he does, he does. But you, he's not a guy you're trying to. I don't think that fourth defensive line. I think he's valuable. Um, but I think like if you're if you have a real hole in your secondary, that's going to be more noticeable than if you have like an okay. Like if Mike Purcell is playing as your your second defensive tackle, but you have Caden Stearns playing his first game at safety, you're going to notice Caden Stearns before you notice Mike Purcell. Probably that's where I'm at mm-hmm. with it.
2: Um, yeah, but then is- also you have like. Aaron Donald Chris Jones, it's probably more valuable than the best safety out there. Yes. As yes.
1: Well. And that's that's why I actually separated it out into like each of the positions, just yeah. because I do think that that's like in my mind that that was a thing. I think you yep. have to have that guy if you don't have that guy. And we noticed this on the stretch last year, when the Broncos were in those last two games, they didn't have anyone on the defensive line. Other than Draymond Jones, that was like, really making huge differences. Millie grade was doing good but he's not a true difference maker in the same light as like Bradley Chubb or like obviously Von Miller is or Shelby Harris. So it's just what's it, the defensive front started to get really banged up, it hurt the whole defense.
2: Yep. Absolutely. I mean, the front four is much more about the individual guys winning their matchups where I think the back seven it's very much more about the uh the overall effect of that unit.
1: Agreed. Um and then I guess the last the last I want to just mention this just because this is how I ranked it. The last player I put before I put running back, I just said defender and it's an LB or DB because I do think it depends on if you deter- if your defensive coordinator was to run dime or nickel as your base. Um, if you're running nickel, you're ideally having a linebacker who can be at least solid in coverage. And this is one of the reasons why I think we're going to continue to think that we need to replace Josie Jewell, even though I think Josie Jewel's okay. Um, is okay. Honestly, Josie Jewel last year was better than I dared hope for. And I think he's capable. I do think his athletic limitations are always going to be an issue, which is why I think the Broncos are going to start to move to more dime. But that said, I think he's a guy, like, you could do a lot worse than him. And I know that there's a lot of teams in the league that have worse linebackers than him.
2: Yeah, for linebacker position, um, it really, like, you kind of see the difference here between somebody like Josie Jewell and Devin Bush, which, you know, athletic metrics wise, night and day. But uh, Josie Jewel, he stays in his lane. You know, he's like Will Smith in the uh, Hitch. You know, just like dancing, snapping back, swaying back and forth. And as long as you have a linebacker who's not doing stuff to the, just totally make the back seven vulnerable. Um, you know, over oversetting or running too hard or picking the wrong lane, just being overly aggressive, it's going to be fine. Now there are going to be instances where quarterbacks, tight ends, running backs, when they isolate against him, it's going to be an issue. But as long as everybody else is doing their job and that player is not playing outside of their own ability. I don't, I think you can really limit that damage. Now, would I rather have, you know, uh, running a four-two-five as you said earlier with two Luke Keeley's back there F- for sure. Yeah. But like, I, I think the Broncos, like we just saw it. And, uh, with pro football focuses ranking the fourth best linebacker linebacking core in football, which maybe is a little bit of a reach, but they're, they're definitely top eight, right? Top, top 10. And, uh, you can be fine with that as long as you got the horses in front and behind them, which they, do. they should. Yeah, they should. Yeah. Um, so as long as a uh, Chubb and Vaughn can, uh, both stay healthy, knock on wood, but uh, they they should. So uh, I think it's fine, and uh, that's why I have linebacker high. However, if you can get a true five-tool linebacker, you know, giddy up. That that can change the complex of your offense as well. You know, guy who can blitz, guy who can play zone or man, guy who's good in the box, and guy who is good in pursuit. Like if you can do those things, it changes the dynamic of your defense and what you can do in uh, nickel packages as well or uh, sub packages. Um, you're not really giving up anything there. Adding speed, yeah, you can change a little bit of your formations, but, uh, those guys are rare and, uh, they don't often, they don't always correlate with a draft position as well, which is another reason that, uh, just don't have them as high as some other positions, even though everybody loves to romanticize the, the linebacking position.
1: So kind of before I let you go, cause I know I'm keeping you, uh, with let, let's assume everybody we hope kind of develops, develops, maybe not to like the, the, the full ex, fullest extent, because if, if Jerry Judy lives up to my dreams, he's going to be like an all pro this year. Cause I do think that highly of him as a prospect, but let's say he reaches like, you know, he, he's good and you don't think it's a hole. Um, but assuming all the young players kind of reach that point, what would you say are the three biggest needs on this side of like the last bit of OTAs and training camp and all that? What do you think of like, what, what do the Broncos need to look at next year other than quarterback?
2: So are you talking like team building, like for the draft or like immediate? Cause like there's different hats there.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I would say just the three holes that you see it. Cause like, I, at some point, uh, barring, like you just refusing, I will probably get you on here and we'll dig deeper into it. But I'm just thinking like right now looking kind of at the tier list and how we have them ranked, what looks to you like will be concerns going into next year
2: will be concerns going into next year. Well, I'm always, like I said earlier, drafting and building teams. It's not exactly about the immediate payoff. Yep. Uh, these are developmental positions. You have them over their rookie contracts. So a lot of these guys you need to think about over the duration of the rookie contract. Um, and hopefully you are seeing them make strides, not be, you know, one of the worst players of their position in the NFL after their second year. Um, so, you know, we'll see there. Um, but I'm going to put quarterback in a box here just because yeah. we hashed that out enough. And I had a little passive aggressive dig there. So I'm feeling good about, good about myself. Um, but, uh, I would say edge rusher has got to be up there. Um, Bradley Chubb is about to get paid. I think Malik Reed is a good player, but I don't know if he's a player that I am looking to make him a top 25 paid edge rusher. Um, I think he had good stats last year, but I also think that he, was a beneficiary of a lot of situational football, uh, Bradley Chubb being the straw that stirs the drink there. Um, and also Von Miller was at 33 this year. Last year of was contract. Um, Edge rusher has got to be really, really high. Um, if not, if not number I'll if not without quarterback, it's number one. I just yeah. think it's that, I think it's that valuable. After that, it's offensive tackle. Um, obviously the right tackle position has been bad for a while. It's lucky the Broncos have Garrett Bowles kind of solidifying himself recently so they can kind of do some things over on the other side to help that tackle, but uh Having one good tackle and a nothing across the way is still an issue. Um, so tackles probably got to be the other one again, two, two of the highest positions of value, both tier two, both positions that the Broncos were interested in the first round the past couple of years, didn't break that way. That's fine. Um, but I put that one up there. The sneaky one I say is interior defensive line. Um, Shelby Harris signed a two-year deal, I believe. So uh, he's already, he's a 30 years old. He'll probably still be good for a bit. Um, but still, that's a position where, you know, to anybody you draft next year in the first or second round, you're probably for defense interior defensive line. You're not a- hoping to be a starter until probably their second year, right? A second or third year, which correlates exactly when Shelby Harris would be done with his contract. Uh, you're going to have to make a decision here on Draymond Jones here pretty soon as well. Uh, Mike Purcell coming off a serious injury. You're not sure about him. You have no idea what you have in McTelvin and his as well. And that's another position. It's that's a very much a uh, investment position where you have to be thinking about it three four years as those guys change they develop over time so uh, those would be the three positions that i look at the roster right now outside of quarterback i think are the the most valuable ones that also could use uh an in investment now there's obviously like tight end too like we don't really have a wide tight end in here but am i like using a first round pick on a wide tight end when i'm very high on noah fant probably not Yeah, probably not um and things could change too like if the broncos decide you know what we don't want to pay Cortland sutton uh, we're going to pay Tim Patrick or something then X wide receiver changes, but also that, like, what does Tyree Cleveland look like this year? What does Seth Williams look like? Whatever. um, Safety, too. Like, if Caden Stearns slash uh, Jamar Johnson look like okay dudes but not starting caliber guys, that changes the formula. But right now, I mean, offensive tackle, edge rusher, injury defensive line, those have got to be the three positions outside of quarterback.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly, I think I agree. So, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, yeah, guys, no for me. again, if you do not follow Nick on Twitter, what the hell is wrong with you? Uh, go follow him on Twitter. You can find him at Nick Kendall, M H H. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun to talk football. Um, I know that we can be a little bit, uh, I think you said the other time, uh, last time I was on, you know, posting a little bit, just, uh, just to tease. Sometimes, you know, it's not always that serious. Um, and some people take it pretty darn seriously, but we're just trying to analyze the reality of the situation and, uh, inform and, uh, hopefully put some pressure on this team that is outside of, uh, you know, everything is awesome all the time. And, uh, hope with some people that think they know what they're talking about, maybe, maybe not as much as, uh, I like to let on sometimes, but, uh, for myself, not speaking for you. Um, but, uh, it's all, it's all in good fun. It's not that serious. It's football. It's an escape. And, uh, I always enjoy the, uh the realism side of things because I don't like things uh, sugar-coated. I'd rather, you know, give it to me straight, Doc.
1: Agreed.